Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Empowered Performance Podcast, where I hope to create a love of movement for you or for someone else by understanding how movement can enhance the human experience. This is a podcast that has been on my mind and on my heart for about a year now. I'm going to dive into kind of the why behind creating this podcast and also explain where I've been after I released my last podcast about a year ago, following the year long transition from a life-changing event that impacted myself and my family and my son forever. I've had a lot of people ask me questions um, about how my trauma therapy is going now, where I'm at from a health perspective, um, and just kind of wanting to understand a little bit more about my process. So just to give you some background and context, I had a moment um, at around the year anniversary of my son's accident, who was hit by a car on September 10th. It'll be almost two years ago. It'll be two years ago this coming September. Um, That day literally changed our lives forever. Um, We, both me and my husband delineate that day as like before the accident and after the accident. It was a very, very severe accident. Um, He was on a breathing tube and we almost lost him and we had to have complete reconstructive surgery of his entire face, Um, multiple surgeries for his hand. He still has um, some things we're going to have to work out in the future, but the good news is he is doing absolutely fantastic. We have come so far. I get emotional just thinking about the journey and I'm in such a better place, but every time I think about it, it's just, it's really unbelievable um, to see how far he's come. So at his year anniversary, I decided I needed to, I don't know, just get it out there and share my story and um, share the process of going through trauma and experience experiencing pretty severe PTSD and kind of where I was at and and what that looked like for me in the hopes that it would help other people. And, um, yeah, the, the support and the feedback I got from people about how much it had impacted their lives was nothing I ever expected. Um, so it's been about nine months since then. And it's like, I ghosted everyone and just said, well, that's going on now. And I've had this crazy trauma and all these things happen and there's been no follow-up. Um, and so I apologize for that, but the follow-up is, has really been waiting because I felt like I was not in a place to start a new project. Um, I was still working on my own energy levels and all of the, um, impacts that the PTSD had created from a, um, psychological and a physical standpoint in my body. Um, so I just needed to give it time and now's the right time. I am very happy to say that I myself am doing so much better. I am at a place in my life that I feel better than I've probably ever felt in my whole life. Um, and it's thanks to a lot of work with some, with an amazing coach, Emily Hightower, who I'm going to talk about in a little bit. 
um, and just a commitment to practicing the things that um, she had me do and also kind of understanding more about the trauma response and being able to feel and sense my sort of internal um, tuning fork, if you will, is like, is how I like to think of it. Um, sort of the vibrational energy that's inside of me when I talk to someone, or I know something's not right for me, or something feels like I should go after it. And so right now my tuning fork is telling me that this is the right time. This is the right thing. And I'm just so excited. So, um, the empowered performance brand is basically my um, baby. So I created a program, um, probably about four years, five years ago now, an exercise program that was intended to be a workout program for people. And it was called empowered performance. And then I decided that I was also interested in creating a seminar. And I sort of combined those two entities, which led to my course, the empowered performance program. And it just seemed really fitting that this podcast was also called Empowered Performance. And through the work that I've done in trauma therapy, I've really come to understand the importance of the word empowered and what that really means to me now. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about that as well. Um, but I want to give some context to sort of that last podcast, which I am going to upload as sort of a look back. Um, from a year ago, so you can have some context. I will warn you that it was very vulnerable, very emotional. And if you were a parent or you have experienced loss or potential loss of a child, I will warn you that is not an easy thing to listen to. So um, with that in mind, just know you're going into it. Uh, make sure you're in a safe headspace for that. Um, so Last year, I recorded the podcast, and the the best way I can summarize it is that when the accident happened, it triggered many different responses in my body. Um, I had sort of a very severe PTSD reaction where my body just, it was like it went into fight and flight mode, and it never came out of it. And I don't know, the best way I could describe it is that if you almost hit something in your car and you slam on the brakes and you get that like flush in your body where everything kind of turns hot and it feels tingly everywhere and your heart feels like it's racing. I remember the night of the accident. I literally started that from the moment it happened. Well, not even the night that day when I saw my son, it started and it didn't stop at all for probably I mean, I don't think I slept for a week straight, um, like at all. I was just on coffee and it, it was like almost like lucid awareness when I would sleep. It was very, very strange. Um, and then as time went on, I still had those reactions. So every day I would probably experience that extreme sensation in my body. I mean, it's, I would say in the beginning, maybe 20 to 30 times a day. So I couldn't even stand by a road and have a car go by me. I couldn't hear the noise of a car even inside the house without it. Um, if I heard sirens or a fire truck, it would come. Um, if just something fell on the floor and created like a loud bang, it would happen. Um, it was just 
I would wake up in the middle of the night, hot sweats, just dripping and having this feeling. And, um, you know, I did, I, at that point we were in kind of, um, you know, taking care of Quincy mode. So there was no time to even think about all of these things happening inside of you. You just kind of keep going. Um, we had to make a decision within two weeks for what surgeon we were going to use for his reconstructive surgery. It was really complex case. And so we were looking at somebody in New York and then a really great surgeon here in Charleston. So we ended up having it here, but anyway, the year kind of went on and, um, there was a point where I experienced sort of what I would consider like a breakdown or like a meltdown. I, my body stopped. It said enough. I, we can't keep doing this. And I started feeling like I needed to nap probably three or four times a day just to make it through the day just extreme fatigue. Um, somehow I still kept my business going, but it, I felt like I wasn't myself at all. Um, and I said to Jason one day, I said, I think I'm going to have to stop everything. I think I'm going to have to give up my business. I think I'm going to have to, I thought I, like I needed to check myself into some sort of place where I could just sleep or rest and figure out what needed to happen. Um, I reached out to my family and my friends and I told them all, I felt extremely depressed. I have a history of depression. Um, I also have a history of trauma from a young age. And so what I've learned is that when you experience trauma as a child, oftentimes, especially if you haven't fully dealt with it, if you experience another trauma, it's like compounded and the experiences in your body are very similar. So I was having these sensations in my body that I really clearly recognized and correlated with that trauma from my childhood. And so it was, it was very strange because even my, my nightmares weren't necessarily about the, some of them were, but not all of them were about the actual accident. They were about previous trauma. And that was very confusing to me. And I, and I struggled to, you know, figure out what was going on. So anyway, I contacted my psychiatrist and I told her what was going on. And when we made the decision to up my Zoloft from I, at that point, I was on a hundred milligrams. And let me say this prior to the accident, I actually think I was hitting a little bit of burnout with overworking and just not taking care of myself, um, as well as I should have for a couple of years while I was, my business was really ramping up and I was trying to be and do everything. I had no one helping me. I didn't know how to let go of the reins and everything started to kind of blow up and I just didn't know how to handle it. So this, although the PTSD wasn't there, the stress level was really high and I was experiencing fatigue symptoms prior to the accident. So I had been on hundred milligrams of Zoloft um, and 
And I will say I have been on an SSRI since I had a major, major depressive episode at the age of 16. And so that's almost 30 years of being on medication. And I've never, I've tried to get off of it maybe a couple of times, but then just had a really bad reaction, ended up depressed and then having to get back on. It was kind of scary. And I realized then that I had really never dealt with everything and learned how to manage myself from a physiological perspective in the, in the right ways that really, that I really needed. Um, so sorry, I'm just talking to myself on a screen. So if I kind of get lost in my thoughts, that's why. And I apologize for that. So, um, at that point, when I kind of had the breakdown, I went up to 150 milligrams and then, um, was trying different things to sleep. So I have a really bad reaction to things like Xanax, um, or sleeping medications like, um, oh, I can't even remember the names Ambien. I feel so exhausted the next day that it's unbelievable. Like I, I can't even function. So there's like no point in taking them. If I feel like the next day, I'm just like a zombie. So I struggled with that. I tried some different things like, um, a, uh, kind of like a derivative or something that's in Benadryl, um, hydroxazine, I think it's called it's kind of similar. And it just kind of creates like a drowsiness and that helped a little bit, but it still kind of made me really drowsy the next day. So honestly, like I never really got much help for sleep once the Zoloft started to kind of kick in and I was able to kind of get in a better headspace. Um, I made the decision that I really needed to get help from someone, something different that I'd never done before. I recalled from a member of the Academy, them telling me about the shift group. So shift, um, is a company, I believe originally founded by Brian McKenzie, And at the same time, I was looking for speakers for my course. And I asked Brian if he would like to be a speaker. And when I asked him that, I looked into their their information and it was a lot on how to use the breath to create physiological change and manage stress. And I said, you know, do you think your course would be helpful for me? And he said, I think you should probably look into working with Emily. And so I signed up with Emily and it was sort of like a package deal for a few months, um, where I would meet with her every week and it helped tremendously. Um, I was desperate. I think when at desperate times you'll do things that you normally wouldn't make time for, or you weren't sure if they would really help. Um, but I really truly was desperate and I listened to everything she told me. And I really tried to be open to, to anything and, and just go with it. So one of the first things was just to understand more about the breath and learn to use the breath to really calm my nervous system. And the funny thing is I use the breath and I, I think that's part of why the respiration and movement pieces always, um, impacted me because even when I started using those techniques, you know, six years ago or seven years ago, 
immediately I felt a sense of relief, not just in my body, but it calmed my nervous system. But those techniques were not enough to combat the extreme stress. Plus I didn't understand anything about it. So I, I didn't know what I was up against. And I feel like if you have no idea what's happening and why you're having such an extreme response, it's hard to even understand what in the world you possibly need to change that. And so anyway, she taught me different breathing strategies. She made me aware of PTSD and what that is and how it can really impact the brain and the body and the stress response that I was feeling. And so I started working with things and I was getting better. Um, she also has her own form of yoga nidra called neuro nidra, which is just her blend of um, neurology and um, kind of the Eastern medicine yoga side of things as well. And so I committed and I would do it every single night. If I didn't do it at night before bed, I found that the, the most helpful for my sleep out of anything I tried. Um, so I would do it at night before bed, or I would um, do it in the morning. I would do it in the middle of the day. And it just was extremely calming and helpful for me. Um, if you've never heard of that, I will make sure that I link to yoga nidra in the notes. So you can go check out and learn a little bit more about what it is. Um, so that was helping. I, from an emotional standpoint, I would say that, oh, this is interesting. So I did a CO2 tolerance test and I mean, it was terrible. I think I was like at a, at 12 seconds. Um, and then after working on these things for a few weeks, I was up to like a full minute of breath hold. So that was really interesting how much it, how much of a significant difference. I like wish I could have been my own, um, N equals one case study. And I had written down like specifics about everything, but I didn't think to do that. So I was feeling much better emotionally, um, still struggling. And this was all a process over time. And I kind of knew that, but I felt like I had some empowerment. I had empowered myself and I was feeling like I had some autonomy over the symptoms that I was having. And that was a huge relief. So my, I still felt pretty exhausted in general. And I had this sense that the stress level and then probably the amount of cortisol in my system had actually done something to my hormones. So I ended up going to my GP and just get like a basic blood panel. And honestly, it took me, this is going to sound terrible, but it probably took me two months to take the lab orders and go get them filled because I was afraid that they were going to tell me I had cancer. You always hear about that. Like people have been through these extremes amount of stress and then their body is just kind of upheaval and end up with cancer or something else. And I was scared. I didn't know if I wanted to know, but I was really glad that I did because after I went, I found out that I was okay, but my thyroid numbers were really low. So my T3 and my T4 were way, way, way below normal. Um, I guess I, if I had, I can't even tell you which one, but like below 0.5. So pretty, pretty extremely low. I mean, you would feel exhausted if your levels were that. The interesting thing is that my TSH, which 
is usually high in that situation was not high. So the endocrinologist that I was seeing was really kind of at a loss. And he said, I know you never want to hear this from your doctor, but um, I don't know what's wrong with you. Like, I don't know why and this is happening. I can't figure it out. And to be fair, like, I mean, he's a good doctor, but he's, I think more of allopathic care when I think of the model that he works under. And so I was put on a small dose of levothyroxine. He was trying to be really conservative. I was really nervous about taking another medication, especially because they didn't know what was happening. I even had a full MRI of my brain to check my pituitary because his theory, at least up until this point, is that there is something wrong with my pituitary gland. Now, if you start to understand, and which I did through Emily, that part of the brain, the midbrain is highly affected when we are going through a traumatic event. So it's not really that wild to me that stress could have actually led to a pituitary disorder where I'm, I, my thyroid hormones are now completely out of whack. So took 0.5 milligrams of levothyroxine, went back. And at this point, when I, after about four, I guess it was maybe four or five months. So we're looking into January of this year. I definitely was feeling better. Like my symptoms were better. I was still, the main symptoms I was having was just still feeling tired, not being able to recover from workouts. I definitely couldn't do like a full strength training workout at all. Cause I would have been like wasted the next day. I could only work out like maybe twice a week. I could walk um, and do very low intensity cardio. And that was about it. Um, and also I had weight gains. So I probably gained about, um, I would say like 10 pounds, um, maybe give or take a few, I don't know, but definitely not feeling in, in like not healthy weight, not like muscle. It felt more like I was gaining belly fat and stuff that I never really had a problem with. And I've also never been someone to diet or, um, you know, restrict any, any foods at all. So this was all kind of weird for me. Um, this feeling in my body and also the, the not being able to work out was a new thing. Um, and I'm trying to think of any other symptoms I had sweating. I would have night sweats probably three times a night, four to five days a week. So I'd have to get up in the middle of the night, change my clothes. Oftentimes the sheets would be soaking wet. So I'd have to go sleep in another bed or put a towel down so I could get back in bed. It was just exhausting. And so my sleep hygiene was still pretty terrible because of that. So that had gotten to where I was probably mm, sweating the bed, maybe two times a week. And maybe not three times a night, just like once or twice a night, it would be worse during my time of month. And so went back for a blood recheck and my numbers didn't change very much. So I went from like 0.5 to 0.65 or 0.6 to 0.7. So T3 and T4 really didn't change very much. My TSH was um, pretty low at that point, which I've come to understand is not really that big of a deal. Um, when you're trying to navigate these things. So he bumped me up to 0.88, I think is the dose of levothyroxine. And um, I would say that has seemed to make a pretty big difference. But I think what also has made a difference is this process I've gone through with Emily. So it's not all about the 
lessening or reduction of the sensations of stress, but also about understanding how to tune into what my body's telling me and trust that what my body is saying is the right thing for me. Whether that makes someone else unhappy or not. So I've been a people pleaser most of my life to the extreme. And there are times where things have happened that I should not have tolerated it. And I did anyway. And I had gut feelings that felt like, oh, this is just not feeling good. Or this energy with this person is just not right. And I let myself stay in that situation and absorb it and then left and felt worse after. And that's been my whole life. So I started creating boundaries. I created big boundaries with um, even close family members, unfortunately. And I had to do what was best for myself and my health. And I had to listen to what my internal being was telling me was right for me. And when I started to do that in a kind way with, I never, you know, wanted to come at somebody with anger or animosity. I wanted to learn how to navigate situations that weren't right for me in the right way. And Emily helped me to understand how to tune in and listen to what my body's telling me and respond and in a, in a non-reactive, um, not uh, anger, not out of frustration, but just in a, in a way that spoke true to what I needed. And when I started to do that, so many things changed. It was sort of wild. And from a business standpoint, I asked one of the women who had already been helping me out if she wanted to come on a little bit more um, on a regular basis and I could pay her monthly. So I now have Nina as my assistant and she has been a huge help taking so much off my workload. I've had people that are now teaching for me and I'm so grateful for that. They're able to step in and lead calls and um, take classes if I need to um, and just kind of help me out in general. So from a work standpoint, I've also put up some good boundaries with that. Um, so what I'll give as just anecdotal um, wisdom from all of this that I think is most important if you are struggling with something traumatic in your life and you feel like your nervous system is dysregulated and you have no idea where to start, I would say to hire a coach if you can, if you have the money and you can pay for someone to walk you through the steps, do that. But if you can't, there are some great kind of um, group um, ways that you can deal with this stuff. I would highly recommend um, learning about breathing. There are so many resources out there that you can, you can read a book. You can start to just try some different breathing techniques um, like waterfall breathing, box breathing, ujjayi breathing, and all of these different techniques can have amazing impacts on your body. You've just got to be consistent with them, especially in the beginning. 
and then figure out how to regulate your sleep. So the neuro was really impactful for me in that way. And once I could start sleeping better, I could get out of my head and I could start getting back into my body instead of my brain running like this 24 seven, I could get back on here and feel centered and come from a calm place when I was making decisions about boundaries, about my work life. Um, so lots of resources, and I'm going to just go ahead and put some things that help me. Um, the myth of normal is a great book I read recently. Um, there's, there's a bunch, so I'm just going to list them in the notes so that everybody can look into some things that might be a little less expensive. I'll also link Emily's information. And I know shift has some courses that might be great for people as well. Um, so coming full circle here, I'm in a much better place. I am now working out four to five days a week. I'm strength training on those days. I am doing higher intensity conditioning. I'm back to doing plyometrics, which I love and moving dynamically. I'm recovering well. I'm sleeping much better. And I never would have thought this in a million years. I believed that, and I was told by doctors at 16 years old, that there was something genetically wrong with my brain. That I was predisposed to depression. Sorry, this gets me because I'm, I've just gotten to this place where I'm like, how, how do you put a child on medication with no, I had no, um, any sort of psychology. I had no mental health. I just was put on medication. And I was told that I had a genetic predisposition to be depressed because I have a family history of mental disease and that I would likely be on medication for the rest of my life. So when I took my Zoloft every day, I just assumed that I would always have to take it for the rest of my life. And then I started researching some things. And what I realized is that that's actually not true. That there is research to show that there's a huge placebo effect as well from medication. So we don't really know what the mechanism is that is creating um, this mood stabilizing feeling. Um, and so what I'll say, I, I think it's, God, I'm so grateful for it. I, I truly am grateful for it. And I have, you know, I would use it again if I needed. Um, but at the moment I have weaned down to zero milligrams of Zoloft. And I just did that a few weeks ago. And so it's been a really, really, really slow process, um, months really. And, you know, I did it very thoughtfully. And I still am working with, with Emily one-on-one -on -one and seeking her advice and working with all the tools that she's given me and paying attention and listening to my body and monitoring my stress levels and all of those things. Some of the things that I've noticed since being off is that my sensory experience is completely different. So even things like bright lights, or loud noises, I now have to navigate that. And sometimes what that feels like in my body is I need a break. 
but I've learned enough to know I'm feeling this thing inside because there's too much stimulation coming in or I'm tired. I didn't get a good night's sleep. And it's okay for me to take 10 minutes to take care of me, to check out for a minute and do what I need to do for myself and ask for help and say, right now, I just need a minute. It doesn't mean anything about me. And I'll say the most recent experience that I immediately emailed Emily about was I had this sense of anger sort of come over me like a, like a really kind of ragey anger. And I hadn't felt that in years. And I know that I felt it when I was in my twenties at times when I had gotten off my medication or I needed to take more. And I thought to myself, Oh God, like, I can't feel that that's bad. Because when I was young, there was a lot of rage in my household and I associated rage as bad, or I'll say anger as bad. Those feelings are bad. But now as an adult, what I really see is that it's the anger is not the problem. It's the expression of the anger as rage, as screaming, as acting like a maniac, as punching holes in the wall, as you know, throwing me across the room, which is what, you know, my brother did. I mean, he feels terrible about it now, but these are the things that I experienced as a young child for a long time. And so my association was, if I felt those things, I was a bad person. And so the medication numbed that out of me in a way, which to some degree probably was good, especially if I hadn't handled my trauma, but I was able to experience that without a reaction to it, it was just a feeling inside of me, but I could control the reaction. And I sent Emily an email and I said, I just wanted you to know, I, I had this feeling that I haven't had in a really long time. And it just feels like my body's like so angry. And you know what she said to me? That's a normal emotion. It's totally fine to have that emotion. And it's about how you handle the feelings of your body and that emotion rather than creating a negative, um, connotation or negative feedback loop with that emotion. She said, you know, scream into pillows, go underwater and scream, hit, hit pillows, like whatever you have to do to get that out and then move on from it. But don't judge yourself for having those feelings. And I'll say that was such a liberating idea for me. And in so many ways, like, I think it's liberating to just know that it's okay to have these feelings. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to, to say the wrong thing. I say that to people all the time, but I don't let myself do it. I can't tell you how many times I tell a student, just try it. If it doesn't work, you didn't do anything wrong. You just got closer to a decision on what you're going to do the next thing or what you're not going to do. And so there really is no wrong. This is what I say to people. But when it comes to me, if I make a mistake or if I do something, I'm judging myself and saying I was wrong or I'm a bad person or, you know, some other context. And and that's where we get into the slippery slope. That's where our, you know, reactions and our um feelings of self-worth get impacted by these things. And so it was just a very liberating email to get back from her. And I'm just, you know, really grateful for that. 
And so finally, I want to kind of bring this full circle and explain to you why I just told you all. Like it's a lot of information. And I hope somebody listened to it. You know, other people are just going to tune out and be like, okay, I'm done hearing about this woman's life. I get that. Why did I tell you that? Because I want to tell you about an experience that got me into this field and is the reason why, the reason why I put so much passion and so much energy into movement, into my course, into my academy, into understanding more about movement and the human experience because my why has impacted my life in so many wonderful ways. And I'm just so grateful that it happened. And as we move along this podcast, I'm going to be inviting people on who don't necessarily just teach about movement, but they're able to connect with a bigger experience behind movement. And they see movement as more than just biomechanics exercise, strength, and conditioning. They see it as a lens to creating change from the inside out, changing the brain, changing the physiological state in our bodies. And they understand that that has incredible emotional significance in the longevity of somebody's life and in how happy they can be in the world. So the people that I'm going to be bringing on this podcast are going to help me help you get inspired to want to move, not because you feel like it's an obligation for your health, not because you feel like you want to look a certain way. I'm all for those things, of course, but that can't be somebody's why. Somebody's why is because it has changed the trajectory of my life. I am a happier, healthier person who can be a better mother, can be a better wife, can enjoy life to the fullest. That's a why. And I think we, as an industry, need to hear more about that why. We need to understand more about the greatness that we can provide to other people. And we need to inspire that in our clients because they're struggling to just step into the gym with us two times a week. They're struggling because they don't have a why because they haven't gotten there in the inside. So I want every person that speaks on this podcast to bring a lens that is just incredibly impactful from an emotional standpoint. So you guys, the listeners can connect with that and think deeper about your why. And if you're a movement professional and you work with other people, you can inspire that in them as well. So I'll finish with this quick story. When I was 16 years old and I had my first major depressive episode, I was extremely depressed. I was probably suicidal, although I never actually intended to act on anything. I thought about it often. I had gone through some very traumatic life events. I could not get out of bed. It was summertime. And it was like, I decided that I didn't have to do anything. I didn't need to make straight A's. I was done with gymnastics. I just vegetated in a bed. My dad came into my room almost every day and asked me if I would please go running with him. And I thought, nope, nope, not going to do that. Why would I do that? I'm freaking miserable. 
I hate life. Um, just want to cry. Like I literally was like weepy all the time. That's all I did was just cry in bed and think about negative things. And if you've ever been depressed, that's, you, you know what you understand what I was feeling. I mean, it's, it, it just is what it is. And one day, I don't know what it was. I said, okay. And we went on this run and I don't remember exactly how far it was. So basically our neighborhood, I would say to the edge of the neighborhood going out, the neighborhood is about like a half a mile. And then there's a light on this main road that we would usually run to. And so that was probably, I'm going to say like a full mile or a mile and a half away from my house. And so we ran there and then we ran back. And I remember vividly as I was running into the neighborhood and we got to the point where you get into the neighborhood, it felt like the sun was brighter. It, it was like one of those cheesy, like, um, commercials for like an SSRI where it's like all of a sudden the person was like gloomy and then everything, like the world opens up and everything's amazing and just bright and light. And like literally visually, it felt like the world looked brighter. And as we got closer to the house, I just had this really guttural response. And I thought, holy shit. Like, what have I been doing? Like, what has been going on in my brain? And how did that 20 minutes let me see what was happening? Like, how did that thing, this exercise thing, just snap me out of it? And I just was fixated on that from that moment on. Literally every decision I've ever made in this field has ha- has I've always had that in the backdrop of my head. And so I'm sharing that with you because that's my why. My why is that my mental health is the most important thing in my life and exercise has been the one consistent thing that has helped me above anything else. And so when I think about movement, I want it in my body to feel like something that makes me happy, that makes me feel like I can't wait to do it. And at any times where I haven't been able to exercise because of pain, that was my background kind of getting into what I'm doing now. It was really hard for me because when I couldn't exercise, I was missing that tool in my toolbox. And even when I was on medication, I needed exercise as a supplement to that medication to really function optimally. Exercise was always there for me. And when it couldn't be because of my neck or my back, God, it was hard. So using the tools and the stuff that I've created through Empowered Performance, I, and thank God for Postural Restoration Institute and what I learned from them, all of these things have helped me be okay in my body so I can consistently move. And for that, I am forever grateful. And yeah, so that's my why. So I hope that this, if you're still listening, will inspire you to really dig deep and think about your why. And um, I'll be bringing on my next guest who I really hope is going to be Emily Hightower is the first guest. So she can talk a little bit more about some of the things that I've shared today. And thank you all. If you've listened this far, I really appreciate it. And I look forward to an awesome season of the Empowered Performance Podcast.